time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here. This is episode number 13 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and... All of the chickens. More chickens! We drink a ton. I'm talking a ton of coffee, but most importantly... Daily chicken hugs. We hug our chickens every day. And, and kiss, kiss them, them too. Don't forget to kiss. <laughs> Okay. It's February. I mean, spring's right around the corner. Yeah. We can see it. It's there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the snowdrops are blooming in my garden. Ooh, yeah, I, nice. I love the snowdrops, yeah. I mean, we're at the end of February where we can start to say, see that light of sun that's staying light a little bit longer. Yeah, definitely longer days and a lot more eggs, getting a lot more eggs. Yeah, and, you know, February, it can be cold, but it can be warm too. Right. So I I have to take a moment to do a shout out today to Uh my dad. My daddy's birthday is today. Happy birthday, dad. Happy birthday, Bob. He is 74 years young Awesome. Not quite old enough to get the COVID vaccine 75 and over, uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's almost there. So uh, happy birthday to you, Dad. Many happy returns. So the other thing is we can see spring, but we're still in It's cold, yeah. yeah. So it's freezing. And then you were just talking to me the other day about a Christmas gift that Pete had given you. Yeah, Pete is amazing. He gave me a pair of Cozy Coop heaters. Yes. And we definitely wanted one for the coop where Ricardo Montalban lives because Ricardo has all of that comb and waddle. Right. But the little coop that we have the rescue roosters in, it's a, it's a cute little coop. It's sort of a, an A-frame, and it's about three by four, and it's up off the ground, so it gets pretty cold in there. And that coop, it's just the two of them in there. Exactly. But that coop could fit at least three more chickens. Oh, absolutely. At least. So it's just the two of them, and again, they have the, they have, those two boys have giant combs and waddles oh, yeah. on them, too. So... We've, you know, we tried the the obvious things. The new coop is clean. There's good ventilation. We did yep. the Vaseline. They were still getting frostbite. So we put one of the cozy coop heaters in. And nice. we put a thermometer in just to check. We just wanted to give it a check. We kept it on low because it's it's a small coop. Yeah, you don't you, want, you don't want to overheat. Right. And so he checked it around 1 a.m. And it was at about 34. Perfect. So just, you know, two degrees above freezing. That's all I need. And when I went out to let the boys out this morning, they were comfy. They were not overheated. It was perfect. And there was not a spot of frostbite on those cones. That is perfect. That's what that's for. So, you know, hey, if you want to try, this is what we were saying about cozy heaters. If you want to try it, try it. Yeah. It's new technology. It's not a heat lamp. Heat lamps are fire hazards. Exactly. Heat lamps will catch your coops on fire. No doubt. The old timers, you know, in really high, really far northern climates did use heat lamps. But, you know, if that's not a risk you want to take, there's no reason to because yeah. there's there's modern technology. And though a lot of people are anti-heater, it's just another tool in your toolbox. And if it's, you have a bird that right. will benefit from it, don't be afraid to give it a try. They're not that expensive. It's your own preference. Absolutely. This is what we're big at over here at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies is yeah. doing what you do. Follow your path and find what works for your flocks and exactly. your birds. Exactly. Be original. Right. Right. So if it works for you, Great. So, you know where that takes me to? Where does that take you? I just want to take a minute to talk about Iowa Blue Farm. First mm-hmm. of all, it's in the Midwest in the cold area. That's right. <laughs> and secondly, it's a woman-owned, family-run, all-natural chicken treat company in the Midwest. And Again, we will always support a woman-owned business. We love women-owned businesses. They make 100% all-American oven-dried black soldier fly grubs. 
for all kinds of poultry. Including quail. Yeah, which we haven't listed. That's right. Hey, that's on there. Quail love today. So if you have turkeys, geese, quail, ducks, chickens, any of those guys, and you want to get a really good, super nutritious, high protein, high calcium grub. Again, as I was saying earlier, my winter layers are starting to go crazy. They're starting to get springtime levels of laying, and the grubs are also nutritious, they're safe. And we know where they've come from, and yes. they're going straight into the girls. And they know the blue bag. That's what they do. They come running for the blue bag. So if you have not checked them out yet, go over to iowabluefarm.com and check out their website. They do have organic feed also, which is excellent. Yeah. And they have the grubs. And give them a look. Always baked with love. Packed with care, and shipping is always, always free. free. Okay, so... Now that we've done kind of, you know, talked to, given our happy birthdays and everything, you want to move on to the da 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 breed spotlight. Yeah, and um, this week we're indulging ourselves with one of my favorite breeds. It's not a chicken that I've had yet, though they've been on my list for years. It is the beautiful Salmon Favreaux. Yay! And they are French. They are French, yeah. So they were developed in, it usually works this way. The town of Favreaux. Yes, and we talked about that a lot. Exactly. And I know this is confusing for people sometimes, but the S on the end of Favreaux, you use that even when it's singular. You don't have a Simon Favreaux, you have a Simon Favreaux, because that's the town. Okay. The same goes for Moran's. Okay. You don't have a Moran hen, you have a Moran's hen. Because Which, it's a little harder to say. It's a little one. harder. Just, yes, it is. Yeah. Moran's you just have to get. <laughs> she's a Moran's. She's a she's a Moran's. <laughs> How do we mean? So back to our Favreaux. <laughs> <laughs> the Favreaux were developed by crossing a lot of different breeds. That includes the Dorking, the Houdin, and the Brahma. All in the village of Favreaux, which is in north central France, and they they probably developed these birds in about the mid 1800s. Right. They were intended to be a dual purpose bird. Right. They were also intended to be good winter layers. Apparently, a lot of the French farmers wanted to use the Favreaux eggs at the Great Paris Market. That's really cool. Uh But then after that, they went over to England. They did. They arrived in England. And they kind of did a little changing around of their breed to meet what they thought were higher standards for exhibition. Right, for showbirds. Exactly. So in England, they were, and they arrived in England in 1886. And again, as you said, they were bred to really bring up their show, show qual- chicken qualities. Their right? show quality. Right. Which they call exhibition. Yeah. And, and, you know. That's just a fancy way to say show chicken. It really brought out the muff. I mean, it looks like they're wearing a huge feather turtleneck. They are so cute. <laughs> they're really cute. So they arrived here in like 1900, 1902, somewhere in there. They were admitted to the American Poultry Association Standards of Perfection in 1914. Right. Now, they're currently listed as threatened on the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list. Okay. But they've become more popular. I was going to say, they're pretty readily available if you'd like to. Yeah. And they're a cold-hardy bird. They're which would very be cold-hardy. good across the U.S. and all these different places that are get pretty cold. Right. I mean, what strikes me is that muff around their neck. I mean, <laughs> it looks like a huge turtleneck, like they're ready for the cold. They definitely are, look super cold-hardy. 
that beard. I mean, right. So it's we're awesome. We're pretty much going to stick with talking about the salmon, right? Which are really cool. Looking. Right now, there is a white. There's okay. a white Faverol, and they were accepted by the American Poultry Association in 1981. Wow, right, that, that that's late. not that long ago. Yeah, exactly. And there are, apparently there's a blue version, but they are not part of the APA standards. Okay. So on those adorable salmon Faverols, as you said, they're heavily feathered, full beard, muff, legs and feet are feathered. Yes. I mean, they look like they're ready for anything. Definitely I, I mean, hearty. so cute. Yeah. And you know where I'm going to go with this? Maybe not. No. French beret. <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you, I was not expecting that, but I should have been. I should have been ready for a knitted beret. Yeah. Knit, yeah. They, they need to be with the Morans and be like, have their little French berets on. Oh my heavens. How cute would that be? I, I, it would be cute. They are really, really cute chickens. I mean, yeah. if you have not seen them, Google them and look at them. Oh, definitely. The images. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I, I've wanted them for years. They literally, I told Pete they were going to be our next breed. I, this was a couple years ago. Before the 15 breeds after right. that. Right. And then I have my head turned over and over because I'm, <laughs> I'm just fickle, I guess. And then we did this research and I was like, oh, boy. You're I like, need I'm remembering why I wanted them. And the roos are gorgeous. So the hens, we'll, we'll start with the hens. The hens are a lovely shade of what's known as... Wheaton. Okay. So sort of light cream and tan. Right, with a little bit of brown in there. Yeah, they have some sort of light reddish lacing, the, the right. salmon on their feathers. The roos are so handsome. Oh, yeah. They have a full black beard. So I wonder how many... They actually look like they could be like in the, like a snow picture. Kind of, yeah. They yeah. really do. Full black beard, black belly down to their legs. Their neck, their hackle feathers, their neck feathers are, it's a light color called straw, straw colored. Oh, yeah. They have, their saddle feathers are light and then sort of edge into a light bronze. And a white, it looks like. Yeah. Like a a creamy color. That's that straw color. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have a green tinge to the black feathers. Black feathers on there. I mean, they are some really handsome boys. They're gorgeous. I wonder how many of them are named Blackbeard. (laughs) <laughs> for the pirate black beard I, come on over <laughs> it looks like they have, their legs are a little on the short side and I think that when the UK breeders change them up for showing they maybe lengthen that they yeah. bred for a longer leg something about a chicken with a shorter leg still big I don't know I don't know maybe either. they looked and they were saying the same thing I was like that, that chicken needs to be taller Maybe. <laughs> well, these guys have slightly shorter legs. Their legs are sort of pinkish white, pinkish white legs and feet. You're still laughing about the short legs. Well, because they look like a full-size chicken with, like, some shorter legs. It's not, Yeah, they don't look like a bantam or anything. But no. I think some of that's feathering, though. Because but it's so, so cool feathering. looking. It's okay. cool looking. Well, they have a straight comb. They do. It's not too big, and they don't have much at all in the way of waddles. No, because they got that muff, and they got the beard. Right. And again, I mean, that makes them really cold-hardy. They definitely are. Now, the other good thing is they do lay three to four eggs per week. They do. So that's good. And they're really like a kind of brown, pinkish color, which I love those kinds that are like pinky, kind of brown. They're pretty. I'm going to make you laugh again. Oh, God. They have five toes, which probably came from the Dorking. Polydactyl is my favorite thing. Yeah, and that probably came from the Dorking chickens. (laughs) Back to eggs. So again, they're like a lot of the heritage breeds, they start laying around seven months. It's still a little later, but it is. it's not bad. They're very good winter layers, as you would expect from a hen that looks like, I don't know, it looks like it's out of frozen. And they're so sweet. Yeah, they're, they're, supposed, they're, they're known super for, sweet. So we normally talk about sometimes like the Morans. They're not that they're not sweet. They're spicy. They got the spicy personality. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. And, you know, they like to run the show. Right. Where these chickens have the sweeter, more docile side. 
so that they would be good, you know, coming into a flop that's existing. It seemed like they would be good to put them in. Probably. They'd probably be at the bottom of the pecking order, so you'd want to make sure you're not putting them in with something. Like a cuckoo Moran. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Says, uh, yeah, step back on your queen. I really would put them in with my Brahmas. Oh, yeah. Or my Lavenders. Yeah, that would work perfectly. You would want to have, like, keep all the laid-back chickens kind of together. Yeah, yeah. Because... They're gonna have. They're gonna be calm, and then right. when you got all the spicy ones, you're gonna be like, "All oh, y'all can just do that over there." <laughs> they're very, again very sweet and gentle. Often have the reputation to be good uh, chickens to have with children. Yes, and the roosters are even supposed to be calm and gentle. Though again, we have to say, watch any rooster, any with, a rooster kid. with yeah. anybody. So I think we've kind of said all that we want to say about this chicken. It's super cute. It's great. It's co- it's cold hardy. It lays good amount of eggs, and it would be a good addition to a flock. And if you're interested, you, they're pretty readily available. Yeah, we forgot the hens go broody fairly easily and make excellent mamas. Oh, nice! But because they're one of those bigger breeds, you would need to watch yes. that they don't accidentally do fall on their chick or something. Yeah, which can happen. So I think we're ready to move on to our next topic, which kind of goes into everything that we're talking about. This is sort of a Holly episode. This is a Holly Ann episode. So Holly, like, yeah, this is totally a Holly Ann episode. It kind of is. So our next topic, which we're going to talk about, is something that a lot of people do talk about, and it's pretty big, and it's roosters. Roosters, yeah. And the thing is, we love roosters. We love roosters. We really think they get a bad rap. They really do get a bad rap. They are bred to be protectors. Right. They have evolved for thousands of years. They're hardwired to protect their flocks. That's yes. what, at all costs. That's what they do. The other thing is they have testosterone. They're a wash in testosterone. They're <laughs> so just a wash in it. They're basically, they can't help it. They're like completely hormonal. So yeah. They, these types of things that go together, and then you mix in humans trying to bring them into human life, basically. Right, exactly. It's not going to go the best. No, sometimes. I mean, they will They will go after anything they perceive as an attack. This is what always gets me, because I'm a farm girl. Right. So a bull or a ram are treated with respect. Right. And by that, I mean, you don't turn your back on them. Right. You know they're awash with testosterone. You know that they can be aggressive. So why do we expect anything different from a rooster? Right. Which, you know, because chickens have come so far to be kind of like a regular pet in, you know, in society now. Right. So with that, you kind of have that expectation that in every aspect of it, they are going to be. But the problem is roosters are... Breeding males. They are males that their job in through all these thousands of years is to protect the hens. Exactly. So, you know, you can't expect it to change overnight or to be different or it's hormonally fueled and they can't help it. Sometimes you do get certain breeds, which we've talked about, where the roos are, you know, they're calmer. They're calmer, right. And those would be your best bets to do. Now, sure. The other thing we were talking about is, you know, I don't have a rooster. You have many, you know, a few roosters. I have a few. And we always joke around about it, but always have a rooster plan. Yeah, exactly. And the rooster plan is what are you going to do if you end up with roosters that you do not want to or cannot keep? Right. So you need to have that before you start having chickens. Right. And I will say this. If you cannot keep a rooster, there's nothing wrong with knowing that a rooster is not right for you. Is not right for you. There's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with it at all. At all. 
but we do strongly encourage you to think ahead of time of what you can do with this rooster. Yes, that isn't taking him someplace and leaving. Right. Having someplace or somebody that you know of that's willing to take care of him or different things. Because even when somebody says to you at the store, we're 90% sure these are girls. There's that other percent. 10%. <laughs> that's, what ha- that's how we end up with Ricardo Montalban. Right. So I have lucked out for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, you've had a good run. Yeah. I say that, and then it's like, every time, there's always one little chick that we're, like, suspicious of. Right. We're like, that one, the comb is bigger, or that one, this and this. And the comb is usually your first... But we turned out that they're all girls. Yeah, you got lucky. Right down, I'll tell this quick little story that Sophia's picked one of our Americanas named Olive, and Mm -hmm. rest in peace, Olive is not with us anymore, but... Sophia picked this chicken. She loved her. She showed all the signs of a roux. And I'm like, oh, no. But we'll see. Like, you know, I'm willing to have a roux as long as we can handle them. Right. In some capacity. Mm -hmm. So I kept saying to Sophia, this is a boy. This is a boy. And she's like, no, I think it's a girl. So we just kept watching her, watching her. And then finally, right when they were all starting to lay eggs, Mm -hmm. we were free ranging. And Olive just squats right in the middle of the lawn <laughs> and lays her first egg. Well. So I'm like, Sophia, that, you were right. That removed all doubt, didn't it? That removed all doubt whatsoever. And then she was just kind of that personality from the very first. She wasn't like a cuddle chicken. Right. She, we could hold her. We could medicate well, her. We could do everything. But she wasn't happy cuddling. They're all different. They all have. And that that goes for the roost, too. Oh, yeah. So you could get a rooster that loves to cuddle and a lot of people talk about this yes so the good thing is and if you can give a rooster a chance yeah if you're able to i mean i have four roosters and only one of them is a bit of a problem ricardo (laughs) it just happens to be the biggest rooster ever you can work with him you have to medicate him for bumblefoot and you could oh yeah so it's all about how you approach them also yes so body you, language is enormous in this. Yes, it is. So you want to make sure that you're not intimidated by them. Right. And so I will tell you a quick little story, um, and you know this. So for the past 17 years, I have had and worked with rescue llamas and alpacas. Right. And my first two llamas were Blackie and Skippy. Right. And Blackie, sweet as pie. Skippy, not sweet as pie. <laughs> Skippy was always a bit aggressive. So I did a lot of training seminars with uh, someone who was really a behavior expert in uh, camelids. And the biggest takeaway from her that I had was don't react. By reacting, you're acting like you're part of the herd. Right. And then they do what to they try to do to you what they would do to the rest of the herd. Or if you react and turn and run to anything that's being intimidating to you, they're going to chase. Exactly. So the not reaction, I tried this out with a rooster. Now, it, it can be hard to do. Like, someone in the case of Ricardo is huge. And when he tries to spur you, it hurts. Even oh, yeah. if you have padding on. I mean, the story is that he sent a spur through Pete's boot. Uh, his sneakers. His sneakers. He did, yeah. Right. Yeah, he did. I mean. It was not good. That's not good. You know, he sent one through my jeans, too. Oh. And I know most people would have gotten rid of him by that point, but that's not how we roll. No. So we tried lots of different things with him over the years. And sometimes you can, with a young roo, you can try some different things. You might find something that works. Some people find that just picking the roo up and carrying him around in front of his girls is enough. That, and I've heard also to take him out, yeah. whether it's day yes. or night, mm-hmm. and walk like uh, around the yard with him in your arms. Yeah, because as soon as he's away from his girls, he can sort of 
acts as a different part of his brain. He's not trying to defend them to the death. Right, and then he knows that you're not a threat at that point. Right. It, I think it's a mistake to enter into a, a physical fight with a rooster. I would never do that. I would never recommend anybody For do that. For lots of reasons, but one of them is because, again, then you tell them, oh, I'm on the same level as you. Oh, yeah. Because it doesn't establish your dominance. It just establish, it establishes you as a member of the flock that he can yes. fight. So then every time he sees you, he's going to want to fight you. Right. You know, talking with Jeannie Keys, mm-hmm. she was telling us different things about working with Ruth. Exactly. And one is, like, definitely to stand your ground and not react. Right. You And if they run towards you, sometimes that's where, where they will start. They will run towards you. And if you react, like you said, if you run away or if you They're freak a little you. bit, then they, they, you've elicited more action from them. And those are those funny videos. Yes. <laughs> that someone is recording these Scared out of their mind people running from roosters. So when we first got the two rescue boys, Hideo would pop out of the coop in the morning to hop the trot. And he would run straight towards me. He did it to my mom a few times. She tried to get the heck out of there. And then he (laughs) thought that she was someone he could chase. And then you told the story of your mom, like, walking in with the garden hoe just to, like, keep him away. exactly. Basically, and just being like... Okay, there's a little separation, like you would never use it as anything. Right. It's just a separation. Yeah. For some reason, when you told me that, I just had this vision of your mom. I know. It is a funny thought. I'm like, Sorry, oh my goodness. Yeah. So when we, brought, when we brought the rescue boys home, Hideo, I would open the coop door and Hideo would bust out and run up to me. And I just stood there and looked at him. Yeah. And so he quickly got the message that I wasn't going to budge. If he had run up and done anything, I probably would have done Jeannie's suggestion, which is, Bend down like you're going to scoop them up. Or, and a lot of them go in the other direction. And her other suggestion was to throw treats. Yeah, you can do that too. I think the, th- the treat throwing may be most effective in a case where you're not going to be able to work with this room, but you need to just manage his you behavior. You need to be able to get in. Yeah. Here's the other thing with the boys. They have no girls in there. My rescue yes. boys, yeah. They don't so have girls. They spe- they're easier to manage yes. because they yes. are not trying to protect them. Right. So a lot of people establish bachelor pads. Yeah. Okay, you put you can put a whole bunch of boys together with no girls. As long as they don't see the girls, they're fine. And they're fine. They're Usually. Like, they're probably like sitting on a little log, playing some games, watching some football. <laughs> yeah. Doing all the, you know, bachelor Doing pad Doing all the of things, yeah. You had a girl in there, and they're like, whoa! Yes. And then they're all going to go after this girl. They're so all going to fight, yeah. It, a lot of people do have, like, a coop and a run that's all for their boys. Uh-huh. Where you can add a boy if you get a boy. It's right. a bachelor pad. Right. Which is a good idea. And they tend to be easier to handle because they're not in protection. Right. And so what you will do if you have a Rue that is with his girls is remove him from his girls, like we right. were saying. I, I, I don't want to... Um, overstate Ricardo's aggressiveness, but Ricardo can be a real He has never charged. I've not gone in. I've yeah. stood outside. Right. And he does the thing that I love where he acts like he's picking up stones. Yeah, yeah you don't see him. But I'm he, over here busy. You don't see me. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to slowly move up and right. check you out. But I'm not a threat to him. He has never charged me. Right. So if you were in there with, with him in the hands, I wonder it would be if he would go after me. He might go after you. And then you could try a couple things. In Ricardo's case, bending over to try to pick him up is not going to cut it. I was going to say, like, working in veterinary medicine for so many years, uh-huh. the first thing you learn is with different animals that come at you aggressively is you play submissive to them. With a rooster, this is not going to work for you. No, no. So, like... If we had an aggressive dog, per se, there's a certain way that you turn your body and everything to show to them that you're not 
you know, you're submissive to them. Right. And it tends to calm them down. Sure. If you have a rooster, do not attempt this. <laughs> Don't bend down. I mean, you could lose an eye or something at this I point. I suppose you could. The biggest thing is to stand as tall as you can yeah. and not move. Exactly. I so, just, I stand there and look down. And if you have a room from the beginning, from little babyhood, that's when you start working with them. Well, I did. <laughs> that Ricardo, hormones hit. Ricardo's just a special case. He really is. And I'm so glad he ended up with So me. what did we say? Like, it's four or five months that hormones start to kick in, basically. Yeah, but I have found, from talking to old timers, I have found that they go through this kind of four, five, six-month-old jolt of hormones, but they're still pretty manageable. And then they settle. Some of them, though, at like 15 months, explode into just over testosterone fuel wild things they're like what and that was ricardo so the single most and i said this last week when we were talking to gd keys but the single most useful technique we have found with ricardo is taking him off the roost at night away from his girls we take him in the house he gets one-on-one time with pete he gets one-on-one time with me like we pet him we hold him we well we posted a picture bottles. on our instagram of him in the bathtub oh when we were treating the bumblefoot yeah. yeah yeah and he looked very content as soon as he's away from the girls he's like a different rooster yeah i mean people have to not work against ne- nature that's true and what it is right so that is kind of taking it if you're able to handle him enough to take him in then that's oh, yeah. great that's all you need. We had him from a Dale check. I remember so. one day asking you, like, hey, do you have to set everything up and then open the door and get the heck out of that That's rock? what we used to do. I so stay in there now. Now you can stay in there. Yeah. yeah I and stay he in there doesn't now. charge you first thing. He will run towards me sometimes. Okay. But he generally stops. Especially if I'm not moving around. If I'm just standing there looking at him, right. he's like, okay, she's not doing anything. Yeah. Working with him one-on-one, I right. think, has helped enormously. And I think that anyone in your... If you if you do that method, you take him off the roost at night, right. I think he needs time with anyone in your household that he's been aggressive towards. Well, yeah. They need to get to know you. Yeah. I mean, so generally what happens is these roos get to hormonal age and then everyone stops handling them, and then yes. that's it. I think that's the mistake I made early on, because I think he was just going to be a difficult rue, and I just should have kept up with working with him. And I think, you know, the answer is you try to work with them as much as possible. Right. And if you have small children, or if you've come to your point where you're like, we can't handle, we can't go in and take care of the chickens, right. then your rooster plan comes in. Exactly. But there's different things that you can try beforehand. Sure, absolutely. So, if you want to keep him, there are definitely things you can yeah, try. Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest things to remember is that this is not personal. This is his brain. It's not personal right. at all. It's a combination of Protection being bred to protect yes. and hormones. Right, exactly. He's not looking at you going, oh, there comes the evil one coming in right. now. He is like, oh, okay. Or they get to know you, and then, then it's like, okay, I'll tolerate you coming right. in. And, but there are those stories of these roosters that are easily handleable. We see on three Instagram. Of mine, three of mine are sweet as pie. Yeah, and we see a lot of them, which we love on Instagram, yeah. seeing those sweet boys. Oh, yeah. So... You know, they they do exist. So giving them a chance. They do. Although I will say I've heard stories of roosters who are fine with adults but lose their mind over kids. Oh, no doubt. Because they think they can overrank them. And the kids are doing all the things that are scary to threatening to roosters. You know, they might be squealing, flailing their arms around. And they don't around. even realize it. They don't even realize it. They're little ones. So obviously you cannot let your child be in danger of being attacked by a rooster. <laughs> no. And don't record it. <laughs> but no. Jeez. <laughs> 
Unless you want a good therapy bill. <laughs> but your rooster, he does not understand that he's going after this thing that's most precious well, to you. Well, and also, the child is more at the level with them. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. That, that's And they tend to make high-pitched sounds, too. Yeah. So, you know, just keeping them out. So those are the types of things that we wanted to just kind of let everybody know. Uh, is there anything else you want to bring up about the roots? Overmating. A lot of people dislike the overmating that can come along with it. Right. So that can be the fact that you don't have enough hens realistically for the a magic room. number. I understand is eight, seven, eight. Yeah, somewhere in there. So Sometimes for every rooster. Right. So if you want to have two boys, you need to have sixteen hens. I don't free range mine at the same time. Okay. Because Ricardo's so big. If he picked a fight, even if I were quick, I'm afraid of what would happen. Yeah. But I've been told that people free range their flocks at the same time. And as long as the roos have, you know, keep away from each other's girls, right. it's fine. They can do it just fine. So the overmating, you need to have enough hens. Sometimes when they're in that like year and a half phase where they're just so hormonal, there's not much you can do. You can trim toenails. Yeah. I mean, the spurs can do some damage, but most of the damage done from overmating is toenails. I yeah, I could see that. And then the spurs you could probably file a little bit so they yeah. were less yeah. sharp. Yep, yeah. you can round them the way we round ours. And then there's the aprons. Exactly. And the aprons work well, and you can get them stylish looking. I made mine, and I made them and remade them, and I put them on one uh, one of my Jersey Giant hens in particular, Esther. Did they have lace? No. Oh, come on. It did on. have a drawing of a rooster on it. It was what? the It was called the Cock Blocker 2000. It, it needed some bric-a-brac. Apparently, that's what I did wrong, because they would not leave it on her. <laughs> Esther and her sisters, would, they would just pull this thing off. They're like, where is the lace? Exactly. It's like a chicken nighty. <laughs> <laughs> well, suffice it to say, the Jersey Giants hated the chicken aprons, and so we just managed it. And as Ricardo has, <laughs> you can't get past it. I can't get past the chicken night. I mean, that like if there was like a website, that, that might be like he's here. He might be like, hey baby, I, I like what you wear. <laughs> he's like, that's a lazy. <laughs> So where we were going with this is that as a rooster gets older, his his testosterone levels drop a bit, and he won't be overmating quite as much. Yeah, Ricardo is much better. So you shouldn't now. need you know the saddle aprons and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean they could be stylish. They could. I mean you can do you it. can do all kinds of yeah, prints, yeah. anything, bric-a-brac. Come on. I must not have had enough trim on the one that I made for Esther because I'm telling you they had that off of her in a matter of minutes. <laughs> They're like, get it off. <laughs> So okay. I think that's all we had to say about roosters. So roosters are cool. Give them a chance. And, and if you if there's nothing wrong with knowing that a rooster doesn't work for you, just try to have a plan in place so you can get him where he needs to go. Exactly. Okay, so let's move on. And we know we love cracking the eggs. Yeah. And since this is my episode... It, it's but my recipe. Right. I was going to say, crack Hey, this is, this is a role reversal. I know. And this is a recipe that you made for me. I came up with this recipe because every day that we I'm work. Because I'm hard to feed. <laughs> when we work together, we get hungry, and we want to eat the same thing. But Holly Ann is dairy-free, gluten-free, and vegetarian. So. <laughs> Sorry. It's very, like, you come up with all these different things. So. We, in the winter here at the Carlo house, love cream of potatoes. Oh, it's delicious. So, but we, we make it with dairy. Uh-huh. And it's, like, easy to put on the stove, and it's a one pot. It's heavy enough to really fill you up. Yep. So, the one day I was like, I'm making up a recipe for Holly Ann, and Joe was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, you're going to eat it. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you're going to eat you it. You know, when I first 
found out I had celiac disease. It just, there were not a lot of options, but things have come so far. So I went to the store and got all the ingredients that I would need to make a cream of potato soup that was gluten and dairy free. Mm -hmm. But I still wanted it to be like cream of potato soup. Right, creamy. Mm -hmm. Creamy that you could eat it. So basically... I just kind of went with my kind of go-to cream of potato soup where you take carrots and celery and onion and then you put them in butter. And I got the vegan butter. Right. Which worked just as well. It does. It works really well. And kind of sauteed all my vegetables in there. And then basically you just substitute the stuff that you would use normally that usually calls for like chicken broth. Well, I put vegetable broth in uh-huh. and then I added extra seasonings to it. After that, you just put potatoes in, which... Potatoes fall Right, veggies are all safe. All (laughs) veggies are safe. (laughs) They're all safe. And some of the surprising things that make it creamy was coconut milk. Yeah, yeah, coconut milk works really well. That now you don't even have to buy in a can. You can get it just like milk in a carton. Yeah. So it's more like it's more like drinkable milk rather than the coconut milk in a can that's you know thick and separated. Oh yeah. So basically that kind of adds your creaminess to the to the soup. Yeah. And you let the potatoes kind of saute in the soup and cook. And you can add other kinds of things. And I like to add broccoli. And the other thing you did with this soup that you that I love is you didn't puree it completely. So no. there were lots of chunks of veggies. I so like it I like, like that. it that way. It's so It was delicious. And the coconut milk, it, if you get the kind in the carton, it doesn't... It's just like regular milk. It's not super coconutty, right? No, it's not. And it, it doesn't give it like, you know, the same consistency, but it was creamy. It had a great taste to it. It was delicious. And if you want to do something that, say you want a veggie night and you want to go, you know, healthy, gluten, dairy free, this is a great one to do. You can also do this with the dairy. Right. And I just saute the carrots, onion, celery, and butter, mm-hmm. and then add chicken broth and the potatoes. Uh-huh. And then at the very end, after the potatoes all cook, then add some heavy cream and milk. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the broccoli. So probably in place of the coconut milk, you could, you could also use the oat milk creamer. You could. If you could try that one yeah, time. Yeah, that will probably be really good, too. That's my go-to for thick The only thing lately. is, it caught, like, I put at least two cups of it in. So I don't know how a creamer would be at that amount. Good question. Well, we can test it sometime. We'll test it and try it. Yeah. We'll let everybody know. So basically, long story short, it was great. It was amazing. And then you even took it a step further because you tell what you did to it. Okay. So I topped it off with some salt cured egg yolks. Yum. If you have not tried preserving egg yolks, you really need to try this. It's easy and it's so good. And it's a way to, again, use your eggs. Right. That's different. So what I did is I used a microplane grater. And okay. I just grated it finely over top of the soup, and we'll throw up some photos of that. Yes, it was really cool. And it sort of has this cheesy taste to it. It just, it's its delicious on this soup. Salt-cured egg yolks are really easy to make. So you want a dish okay. that's a couple inches deep, and you want kosher salt. Okay. So you're going to put a layer of kosher salt, maybe half an inch thick, in your dish. You're going to separate your eggs. Okay. I don't remember what I did with the egg whites. I think I made cookies with them, but I did something with them. We always do. Exactly. So you separate your eggs. You put your egg yolks in the salt carefully. You don't want them to burst. Right. And with an inch or so between all of them. And then you're going to top them off with more kosher salt so that they're completely covered. So you want the whole egg yolk covered with the salt? Exactly. Under and over. Under and over. Completely buried in the salt. Okay. You don't want it touching any of the dish. Okay. All salt. You put them in your fridge and you leave it in there for about a week. Okay. And all of this runs on the chemistry 
the fact that the salt works as, I guess it's anaerobic. Okay. So that bacteria doesn't easily grow in it. Right. And it dehydrates at the same time. So totally it's drawing, dehydrates. Right, drawing all the moisture out of those egg yolks. So after a week, you take them out and you tie them into some cheesecloth. Just wrap them up in the cheesecloth. You can tie them, twisty ties, whatever. Right. Put them back in the fridge for another week. That's it. And then grate them on whatever you They're want. They're ready to eat. Yeah. They're amazing. Grated over pasta. Oh, yeah. Roasted veggies. Anything like that. So this is the way that we can take cream and potato soup, gluten dairy-free or dairy, whatever, yep. and add eggs into our recipe. Yeah. So it's really yummy. It's a great winter whatever kind of dish. And it looks pretty, too. You want to use the freshest, I guess your orangest egg yolks. Yeah. If you have a, a hen that gives you some really rich orange egg yolks, use them. That flavor really shines through because it's, it's essentially concentrated yolk flavor. Oh, yeah. So it's good on top. So good winter dish. Yeah. It's great, really. And it was so good. It had a great taste to it. And not super hard. Not super hard. And it fed everyone. Yep. Yeah. So we didn't have to make many different dishes. We just made one. Right. So if you try it, either thing or both together, right. send us some pics. We'd, We'd like to, to see, see your pictures. Okay. So this retail therapy <laughs> is so you also. That's totally me. I mean, this is the Holly Ann episode, and I don't mean to keep saying it, but I, I it is. It is. So for retail therapy, we're doing... Vintage Roosters. Vintage Roosters. And anybody who knows Holly Ann, like I do, for 40 years, knows she's going to be looking for some vintage roosters. That's what I do. Yeah. I love the vintage chickens. I love it, love it, love it. Roosters make me happy. And the vintage roosters are really fun. And, you know, vintage hens, too. Yeah. I buy all of it. Vintage chickens. And a lot of times, the things that you buy come in pairs. A hen and a rooster. Yes. Or two roos. And... This is the thing that we like about finding these vintage roosters. And I think a while back, we even saw one of our followers put up a picture of a collection of vintage chickens. Yes. And it was so cool because we collect them. We go out and look through thrift stores, any place that you would think in the spring. We go to farmer's markets or we go to yard sales and we look for these and they're so cool. They really are. And I think the the easiest, the absolute simplest entry point into collecting vintage chicken anything is salt and pepper shakers. Salt and pepper shakers. I Once you collect those, the thing is they're salt and pepper shakers. You're not going to use them for a salt and pepper shaker usually. Not usually, no. And they're figurines that are smaller. Right. That you can put in a cabinet or sporadically around your home. If you've been following us for a while, you will see that we use them as cake toppers all the time. Cake toppers is an excellent idea. I use them around, and you've probably seen some of them in my from my house in the yeah. pictures also. And just if you want to put a little something somewhere, that's chicken. Yeah. And they're, you can get them very vintage or a little newer. Yeah, and they're easy to switch out. You know, you can display a couple pairs for a while, switch out some other ones. Exactly. Keep so your collection rotating. If you are like going to thrift stores like we do, you can check your local thrift stores. We always seem to find something chicken in there that Generally, we love. Yeah. If not, there are plenty of places when it's cold outside, you want to get under that chicken blanket <laughs> <laughs> and be looking. Is The number one place you can look to is eBay. eBay. Now, I never had much of an eBay habit until COVID hit. <laughs> you and do then, have a habit now. I do. And I had the itch for vintage chicken shopping, and I could not satisfy this itch because obviously COVID, you know. I mean, it down. took away some of our thrifting time. It, it definitely did. 
and some of the festivals that we used to go to. Oh, yeah, definitely. That you walk around and, you know. It temporarily changed a lot of the way we did things. We bought a lot of our clothes in thrift shops. Yeah, and find cute stuff. Had to stop doing that. Yeah. During COVID lockdown. A lot of vintage stuff. A lot, yeah. So eBay comes up and you can just search different things. Yeah. eBay, you can find all kinds of different price points. Right. You can find salt and pepper shakers for a couple of dollars. And you can find big centerpiece roosters that are a couple hundred dollars. What's always exciting, too, is if you go, like, thrifting or whatever, and then you find, like, a really cool chicken rooster. Yeah. Looking it up on eBay. Yes. And then you're like, whoa, it's worth that much, and I paid $2 for it. Right. I have that amber glass rooster. (laughs) Yeah. um, And it turns out he is... He's a Viking glass rooster from their Epic line. Wow. I was, like, ready to give We've it away. We've used that in pictures. We've used him before. And, well, well, you found him in my garage because that tells you I wasn't crazy about him. Anyway, <laughs> he generally sells for, like, $50 to $80. Yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, this is cool. We should use this in our picture. And well, he's like, on my dining room table now, so he's, he's like, getting more respect. Hollyanne, bring him in. You have to do that. He's in. He's in. Yeah, he'll stay in. So what else can we find? Another really good place, Etsy. Oh, yeah. Etsy, you're, you're usually going to find... You can find some bargains on there, but you're usually going to find vintage things that are a slightly higher price point, but in better condition. Right. And they're often identified, so you know... You know, you know that this is vintage left in Japanese import porcelain. Right. So that's another place. And you were looking... I did not know this one, but you said Ruby Lane. Yeah, Ruby Lane, a lot of antique dealers list on Ruby Lane. Okay. And again, the prices tend to be higher. Okay. Sometimes you'll have dealers selling out of an estate sale. Estate sales are really good places to find all price points. I've been to estate sales too. Yeah. So um, also, First Dibs and Cherish are websites where you find a lot of estate sale goods. My own collection started because someone local was selling her mother-in-law's chicken collection. Oh, yeah. And I ended up with some really fantastic vintage chickens from that sale. Yeah. That was pre-COVID, obviously. Yeah. But cookie jars. I am like chicken everything. The yeah. other thing that I have a big collection of, which never stops, is Pyrex wear. Right. Pyrex. So I collect all the different prints of Pyrex. Uh-huh. And then... Ones with chickens on them, definitely. Right, right. Or all kinds of like vintage serving wear and vintage bowls that have, and there's federal glass that has chickens. Yeah, you can find those. I was they even showing you the one a higher I price point, but they're quite nice. Yeah, so if you want to collect some of these things, uh-huh. it's good to know where you're going, but it's fun. You also collect hens on a nest. Yes. You have a whole bunch of them, and I'm bringing them up because they're rarer and harder to find, but there are roosters on a nest. Ooh. You can find some of them, yeah. So every time I've traveled, like Joe and I have traveled anywhere, like on little weekend trips Uh or anywhere, I always have to go to the local antique store, thrift store, or barns. Right, barn sales are good. Yeah. And and I always try to find something unique. Uh Uh-huh. And so I have them from everywhere. Yeah. So... I mean, it's really fun. You just have to make sure you have a place for them. And right. then your husband's not like, bring another chicken into this house and it's not going to come in. And I'm well, like, that's it's why, coming in. <laughs> that's why rotating your collection is so useful. I have to do that because our house is not big. 
Yeah. I mean, you can, I like, take some out, take some in. Yeah. But I have all the chickens. Right. Well, I have a lot of chickens, too. And you can you can tailor your collection. Like, I like big chicken couples, big statues. Yeah. And that, we really don't have space for all of them to be on display in the no, house. No, you can package some of those up. And you can also just look for smaller things to collect. Well, cookie jars aren't small, but there are a lot of fantastic rooster and chicken cookie jars out there, teapots. Do you remember, I don't know when it was, when we had the guys with us, and they were discussing whose house had more chickens? I don't know. Did they decide who won that? I don't know if they did or not. Oh, that might be a draw. It's definitely a draw. A lot of chickens like, in these and then Joe was like, "What about you, Pete?" And Pete's like, "I've just accepted it. It's it's there." Yeah, Pete They're does not fight the current. Joe is like Joe's trying to swim upstream. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, oh, man, just let it go. He's like, "Do not bring another chicken in this house." I'm like. Oh, a chicken at the thrift store. Yeah. yeah. It's only $1. I have to get it. Well, again, smaller things. Yes. You have more room for smaller things. So like we were saying, cookies, cookie jars and teapots, big. But then you can, like, sometimes you can get adorable little sugar and creamer sets. Oh, yes. Really cute little ones. Egg cups. Yes. Egg cups are cool. Yes. And I use some of the covered chicken dishes, the uh-huh. little hen dishes. Yeah. That I sit next to the stove and use one for salt and one for pepper. That's a good idea. They're a little bit bigger. Keep some of your spices in there. I just do salt and pepper so that when I'm doing a pinch, I just open it up. Perfect. And put it out there. And Joe's like, everywhere I look is a chicken. That's right. I'm like, and yes. Again, is. he is swimming against the tide. <laughs> he totally. Just, just go with the flow. <laughs> like when he closes his eyes at night, he's like, chickens everywhere. <laughs> everywhere I look, I see chickens. Happy so, wife, happy life. Yeah. So, okay. So that, I mean, you can't go wrong with buying vintage yeah, chicken. It's a lot of fun. And again, th- this is stuff. We don't need stuff. We like it. It makes us happy. We like going out together and yeah. shopping for it. Yeah. Or sometimes when we're working, and we work long days to bring this oh, podcast our days to are long. I mean, some days uh, that we work like 12 hours, and we like take breaks in between, and we'll be on eBay looking for these vintage chickens and everything else. I really have to watch what I'm looking for because I'll, I'll always I gravitate towards those big statues, you know, the big centerpiece roosters. And Pete's like, where's this big statue from, Holly Ann? It magically appeared here. I mean, <laughs> like things like the Majolica roosters, yeah. the really nice ones, they're thousands of dollars. I know. And if you can find, okay, so a long time ago, we watched this show on what to look for when you're thrift hunting. Okay. That's like worth a lot of money. Do we really need a show like that? It was on forever ago. Okay. Joe and I maybe first got married, and we've been married 20 some years. Right. So it's a long Okay. So Joe's like, okay. Because he likes thrifting, too. He does. Okay. He's like, watch the show so we know what to look for. Right. Okay. And one of the things to look for is a three-legged chair. Really? It's some sort of three-legged chair. Okay. So everywhere we go, I'm looking for chicken stuff, and Joe is like, did you see a three-legged chair? <laughs> <laughs> no. But they had 45 chicken statues. Honestly, I thought you were going to say one of the things you should look for is a three-legged chicken. <laughs> no, it's a three-legged chair of some sort. And for years, we've been looking for this three-legged chair. No luck? No luck, but lots of luck with chicken statues. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll leave you with that. Everyone look for the three-legged chair of some sort. <laughs> so basically, let's tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week. Next week, we're going to talk about a super rare breed, the Creve Corps, another French chicken. We are on the French roll. Apparently, we are. We oui, we. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> Our main topic is going to be an interview with Jeanette Berenger from the Lifestyle Conservancy. I cannot wait. Good stuff. Cracking the eggs is... 
Sheesh. Yeah. Lorraine or otherwise. Easy dinners. Yeah. Breakfast and lunch. And retail therapy is going to be one of my favorite poultry supplements. Robo Poultry Complete. Nice. We'll talk all about that and what it can do for your flock. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so we need everybody out there to stay warm. Look for some vintage chickens. And also. Hug your chicken every day. Don't forget. Until next time, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show so that we can bring you even more high-quality chicken content, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.